Hello and welcome back to the Get Unstuck and On Target podcast. I'm Mike O'Neill with Bench Builders, and we're speaking with thought leaders to uncover tips to help you break down the barriers that may be keeping you or your business stuck. Joining me today from New York is Sarah Aviram. Sarah is a remote work thought leader, and her goal is to empower remote workers to build more fulfilling careers and perform at their best. And she does this through her motivational talks, her virtual and live workshops, and her best-selling book, Remotivation, The Remote Worker's Ultimate Guide to Life-Changing Fulfillment. Welcome, Sarah. Hello, Mike. It's great to be here. Well, I'm glad you're with us. I want to share a little bit more about your background with our listeners, because I think it's perfectly uh, aligned with the folks that I understand are listening to this podcast. Sarah has held leadership roles in HR and talent development with Fortune 500 companies that you would recognize, Avon and PepsiCo, but she's also worked in high growth technology companies like web.com and IAC. But what makes Sarah a perfect guest for this podcast is that in 2019, she spent a year working remotely from 12 countries. And it was during that time that she noticed that other remote workers often felt stuck and unfulfilled professionally, even though they were enjoying the freedom and the flexibility of a remote work lifestyle. And so Sarah, I'm so glad you're with us, but in 2019, remote work might've been kind of a novel concept. And as I understand it, you shared with me before we recorded this podcast that you took the initiative to try this out. What is it about that that drew you to want to go and spend a year working remotely? Thanks for asking that question, Mike. It's one of my favorite stories to tell, actually, because so this was early 2019. I was reporting to a new boss and he said to me, I want you to bring me the talent trends of the year. What should we be focused on as an organization? I was the head of talent development for a tech company. And, you know, he said, you know, what are, what should we be looking toward? How are we going to compete for talent? What are the trends in the global marketplace? And I brought four different trends to him. And one of them was remote work. And so not only at this time were more and more people wanting to be freelancers and small business owners or contractors and have the kind of freedom to work on projects that excited them, but companies themselves were understanding that in order to compete for the best talent, we might have to hire someone that's not located near a primary office of ours. And a lot of companies were calling themselves remote first companies in which they didn't even have an office. They just had best talent they hired from wherever they were located, whether it was nationally or internationally. And that's who they were hiring, no offices. And they were creating this remote first culture and leveraging technology to create, you know, communication platforms and using different softwares to ensure that they were collaborating, communicating in the best ways possible. And I was really fascinated by this trend. I worked at a company that they didn't love when people even worked from home on a Friday, let alone worked, you know, from home or across the world. And so when I brought this trend to my boss, I thought, you know, 
he's going to say, that's not for us. He's going to say, you know, other people do that, but we have a specific culture that, that requires everyone to be in the office. But the more I explained to him how important it was that we really consider this type of thing, the more open he became. And long story short, and ended up in a conversation of me saying, there's even this program, uh, it's called Remote Year, that facilitates the ability for professionals that work at corporations to work remotely around the world and, and stay connected to their uh, jobs and not have to worry about having Wi-Fi connectivity, a co-working space to work, all these important things. So I brought the job and this company called Remote Year, they organized my logistics of travel, my living accommodations, a co-working space. And I actually traveled with 30 different professionals from different companies and businesses I didn't even know of. And I was able to convince my employer to let me participate in this program and immerse myself in the future of work and really understand like, what is it about remote working that challenges us? What are the opportunities and what can I bring back and educate others on for this future trend? Well, you, you convinced what was initially a kind of a reluctant boss to try this. And then here you are enrolled in this program and you set out. And I describe in kind of the intro that to me, what you just described, 12 months, 12 countries, it sounds very exciting. At the same time, work had to get done. But I didn't know until you just mentioned that you were doing this with kind of a cohort what a wonderful opportunity for you to see firsthand what was going on. Um, I suspect that that what led to your decision to, to write this book, Remotivation. Exactly. Yes, it was being next to these people every day. We, we worked in a co-working space together. What was so great is that you felt the camaraderie of having colleagues around you, but none of them actually worked for the same organization. You had lawyers, you had software engineers, marketing people. And what I was noticing is a lot of them, the reason why they wanted to go on the program was very different from me. A lot of them felt like, I don't really love my job, but if I could do it from anywhere, maybe I'd love it. You know, if I could, you know, be in South Africa doing it or, you know, travel and have the flexibility, then maybe I would enjoy it more. And I think a couple months in, they felt that but then longer term, a few months in, they really start to feel like, wow, I, I finally have this freedom and flexibility I thought would be the key to my happiness and work. But I'm actually realizing that it's the work itself I don't enjoy. And unless that changes, it's not going to help me long term. It's not going to help me feel motivated to perform at my best in the long term. And that's when kind of the light bulb went out went off for me. And I said, there's something here. Um, there's something about how, what I can do using my HR expertise to really help educate these people on the importance of connecting to the work itself and being motivated by that versus their environment. And so that became like the genesis of my book. Well, obviously the timing for this couldn't be any better, um, at least with, uh, with clients that we work with so many of them were reacting to COVID and were required to have to go to remote work. And so they kind of hastily threw things together. What's interesting, your coworkers, if I could use that term, the folks that were going through this same program with you, they signed up because they were looking for, and what I understand you to be saying is that it was not 
the, the freedom and the flexibility of remote work that was the problem. It was their attitude towards work. Their attitude towards work, the work itself. Yeah, they thought um, by putting this sort of Band-Aid solution onto their dissatisfaction in their job by just doing it somewhere else, they thought that that would be more of a longer term solution. And many of them have since changed organizations or changed the kind of work that they do because they had that realization that changing their environment wasn't the solve all for how they were feeling about their work. You know, to some extent, it sounds as if this led to you changing because it looks like this lit a fire for you that the light bulb did in fact uh, go off. Um, in your book, you introduced this idea of a re-motivator. So before we get into those, how do you define a re-motivator? So I call re-motivators, it's sort of a play on words of the word remote and motivator kind of combined into one. And these were six different motivations I felt were driving people to make decisions around their career. So they were driven by uh, pressure regarding their money, their identity, their routines, and then opportunities for growth, impact, and joy. And so those are the six re-motivators that I identified that were the most, most influencing people's decisions around their careers. So let me restate those. Money, identity, and routines growth, impact, and joy. Can we take a moment? Uh, the money piece, mm -hmm. you would think that's kind of obvious, but when you found money, what did that, what did you learn? Right. What I learned was, was kind of twofold. So you had people that were driven by money in a way that if they didn't keep their job, they don't have enough money to pay their next three months rent, right? So it was a significant pressure related to that. Then you had people who felt they were paid so much. How could they leave? It was like the classic golden handcuffs, as they say, like, I make this much money. How would I ever make that much going somewhere else? And so even though they didn't love their job, money was still a motivator to stay in it because, you know, the reward was too high to consider leaving. So that's where money ends up motivating us. And so a lot of what I talk about in our book is if we can understand and manage some of the pressure, both from having too little or having too much, that money um, puts on us and we can kind of feel comfortable with what our relationship with money is, we can make decisions around our career driven by our intrinsic desires to do something rather than receiving a reward or not see, receiving a reward. I appreciate the clarification. You know, when I see the word identity, uh, it means something to me, but when you write a chapter on identity, what does it mean to you and to your readers? Identity is how we define ourselves. It's the values that we connect with. I'll give you an example. I had people that were doing their job because of their identity. What I mean is someone would say, but I'm a lawyer. I've studied for years to become a lawyer. Who am I if I'm not a lawyer? I would disappoint myself or my family or my partner if I didn't continue doing this, even though I am not satisfied doing it. And so it's, it's, and in some ways, identity can be a very positive driver, of course. We know it's like something, oh, this is a core part of who I am, and it makes me proud to do this work. But a lot of times we feel a pressure from our identity because we don't want to let ourselves down or let someone else down if we don't continue in a job um, because of what it means about who we are, who we want to be. Mm. We actually are going through these each in turn. Um, routines, 
Routines are when we continue to do a job because the inertia of daily life is just kind of pushing us along. Like I'm doing this job today because I did it yesterday, you know, and it's a motivator because it actually does get us to do the work and, and that's okay. And sometimes we have processes or practices we have to kind of, you know, go through because they're important, but sometimes we don't take the time to stop and think like, why am I, why am I doing this? Is this still serving my goals? Is this still something I'm interested in doing? What are my reasons for it? Um, we could just get so wrapped up in our routines of, of daily life. And look, routines offer us security and stability and like this knowing of, of what to expect. And sometimes the discomfort of the knowing is, is better than the discomfort of not knowing what, what would be different if I changed the routine. So we kind of stick to something just because it feels comfortable, but it's not always for, you know, again, those intrinsic reasons, because it's what we really want. You know, as I reflect on the word routines, the first four letters R O U T. If you drop the O it's rut. <laughs> yes. Huh. Yes. You identified a fourth remotivator as growth. Yes. So growth is a motivator when we are developing skills or having experiences that contribute to our growth. So this is when we're in a job because we are finding that we're learning a tremendous amount. We're feeling challenged. We're able to create new things. We're, we're um, learning from others. And so that is a huge motivator because when we feel like we're expanding our minds, then we are motivated to keep at, you know, keep at that job and keep growing ourselves. The fifth one, impact. Um, I can't help but think, uh, I'm gonna come back to this question, but in terms of what you found of these six, but impact, um, how do yes. you define that? So impact is when our work provides a value that we believe is important. Hmm. And we don't have to work in life-changing industries or create you know, life-saving products in order to feel like our work is making an impact. It's really understanding the value that our work provides, whether it's to um, our clients or customers or community or even a fellow coworker. You know, you know the, what the work you're doing and how it's having an impact. And a lot of times um, we're having more of an impact than we think, but we don't have the context to understand that because no one has told us, that presentation I sent to you three weeks ago, I, I, what happened with it? Did, was it valuable? Did people like it? What did the clients say? Like, we're not getting that feedback of, of the value that our work is providing. So we don't feel as connected to it, but when we can feel that connection to our work and we understand that impact, it really creates a whole different level of connection to our work. And we'll wrap that up. This three letter word, joy. You don't hear that often very much when you're talking about work, joy. And it's such a shame, isn't it? Because I feel like it's everyone's right to feel joy on the job. And, and, you know, you hear people say, oh, it's called work for a reason or, you know, and I think what a shame because the amount of hours you spend in your life doing your work um, and to not have any joy come from it, I believe would, is, a, is a great shame. And joy can be a motivator when the work itself is its own reward when the work is enjoyable, it's creative, it allows you to innovate. Um, when you kind of get home at the end of the day and you feel energized and you say to your friend, your partner, your spouse, whomever, like, oh, like today was great. I got to like solve this challenge or work on this project. Like I feel good. So, you know, that is sort of the pinnacle, right? That is kind of where we want to get to. 
So if we can minimize some of the obstacles related to our money, our identity and routines, and we can optimize some of the opportunities regarding, you know, for growth and impact, then we can start to realize the joy. And that's sort of the, the goal and part of the journey, right? You know, I can see it in your eyes and I can hear it in your voice. You really do enjoy what you're doing and how you're helping uh, others. Um, I gave you a little bit of a heads up. Those six categories, you call them remotivators that can drive professional fulfillment, money, identity, routines, growth, impact, and joy. What of those six do you find is most elusive for folks? Hmm. I would say impact is, is one that I think people feel like it's interesting. A lot of people that tend not to be fulfilled in their job are like, well, I'm not curing cancer. So, you know, they don't feel connected to the, to that work. And again, it's like, we need to understand like, who is my audience? Who am I serving? Like what value are they getting from my work? And a lot of times, and we'd like to think that managers do a good job of giving their direct reports the context they need to understand why they've been assigned a task or what the purpose of the specific project is. But not all managers are consistent with giving that feedback. So I always recommend to you know, employees, like you need to ask for it. That is you know, important for you to understand. And not only is it just so you feel good and you know, it's so you can provide the best solutions and make the best recommendations. The more context you have about the purpose of why you're doing something, the more you're gonna feel connected to it and come up with the best solutions to the problems that you've been put in front of you. And so I think um, we tend to, again, we. It, by not asking for the context, we get back into those routines of like, okay, I was just asked to do this, so I'm doing it. You're just sort of like a machine putting out work. But if you can connect to like its greater purpose, I think the um, the joy will come from it, right? The, the, the skill growth, will like so many more things will come from that. I try to remind myself of our listeners, which as I understand it, they're leaders. And so they're listening to you from the perspective of a leader. I have to lead employees who are working remotely. It could very well be that those same leaders are also working remotely. And I want to make sure we don't lose sight of this. I know these six core remotivators apply working remotely or not, but do you find that folks who work remotely, um, do they struggle with one of these more than other? You, I asked you about yeah. it being elusive, but mm -hmm. in terms of if you're leading others, which of these six categories would a leader need to be very mindful of if they're leading remote workers? Yeah, this has been not the typical time to work remotely, I must say. You know, we're in a global pandemic. This is not your standard time. We had to adapt to it very quickly. We had to kind of settle into processes and routines that um, we weren't familiar with before we even had a chance to decide if they made sense to work remotely. And so I think the, the best thing a leader can do is to ask this question about the routines um, and say like, hey, I know, you know, we kind of had to set up shop from home in kind of a flurry. And there was 
so much going on and you know everyone had other concerns in their lives you know are the kids in school are they work are they home you know if if you live by yourself are you lonely all these things that were kind of additional pressures to um, add to the typical work from home environment so i think it's important for leaders to ask their teams like you know what what routines are you going through the motions of that you feel like are not serving you are there any terms that we need to kind of like renegotiate? Like we said that, you know, um, you know, typically a work day is nine to five, but if you need to be home for your kids at school after three o'clock, you know, you know, could we change the work hours that start at 7 a.m.? Or maybe you log back on at, at 7 p.m. after you put the kids to bed. Like these are the kinds of things that managers need to be asking their employees more and more because, our standard routines that give us that stability, so this is the good side of it, have kind of been turned upside down and we need to reassess what are the ones that will serve us and the ones that are no longer serving us. Sarah, the kind of the tagline for your book, The Remote Worker's Ultimate Guide to Life Change and Fulfillment, uh, it sounds as if what we've been talking about can apply equally well to those who are leading these remote workers and I appreciate you kind of clarifying uh, that. You know, you made an interesting point, and that is many organizations um, are were reacting, are reacting, and now they're looking around and say, okay, is this how things are gonna be going forward? Um, is it your sense that these six re-motivators, is this going to be something that we're gonna be with for some time? And that is these six things, is this gonna be something that we really need to kind of commit, not just to memory, but to practice as leaders? Absolutely. I think that these six remotivators are key to helping employees feel fulfilled and perform at their best, regardless of where they're working from. I wrote this book with the lens of rem remote work on top of what in general brings career fulfillment and allows people to perform at their best. So it's sort of a lens that I might put on top of it. Um, it's not only talking to remote people. But yes, I do agree. And um, I, I wanted it that way because I knew that things are going to change and, and, and move around. And in the near future, companies are going to make decisions. Do we go back to the office full time? Is there a hybrid model? Do we allow people to work from home three days a week, but they have to come in two days a week? Um, you know, companies are still trying to figure this out. And that's why I think sticking to these core foundational principles of like, understanding these six motivators and how to activate them to your benefit is going to serve you regardless of where you're working from. Mm, very, very well said. Um, you know, this question is coming. So let me go ahead and pose this. And that is, um, you've had a very interesting career thus far, and now you're taking what you have learned and you're sharing it with your reading audience, for those who are participating in your workshops and alike. But would you be willing to share maybe a personal example where you got stuck and what did you need to do to get unstuck? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And I would say it was before I did this remote year experience that I explained. I was, I started to really get into practicing gratitude, which I recommend to everyone. It kind of, it's, it's an amazing mindset shift. But what I realized is that, although I was so grateful to have a job that I liked, that paid well, that I enjoyed, that I was learning, I still felt like something was missing. 
And I was like, do I need to leave my company in order to like feel happy again, to feel challenged again? Or can I figure out a way to re-engage myself in my current job? And this was interesting because I feel like a lot of people don't start where they are. They don't start and examine like, can I um, create a better situation in my current organization? They kind of think like, oh, this is going on and I should just jump ship and go somewhere else. But they take the same problems with them or they haven't taken the time to identify what is it that I want to change? Let me see if that can happen here in a company where I've built credibility and a reputation and where they're more likely to take a chance on me and help me develop in the ways I want to versus going to a new place where it's a bit harder to do that. And sometimes when we do that investigation, it might be, yes, the right answer is to leave and go somewhere else. But it's important to start there and find out. So I was in that situation. I said, you know, I feel like I've implemented all these, you know, new practices and processes in my organization, but like, what's next? Like, what are the new challenges? And so I kind of wrote my my list, I call it the jig list, right? So the joy, impact, and growth. So I took three of my remotivators and I wrote, okay, joy. What is, so these were three lists. What are the projects or initiatives that I've worked on that I've really enjoyed, that I got excited about, that I didn't care if I was working till midnight because I was like excited to figure out how to you know, solve these solutions. So that was my joy list. I mean, like, what are the things I enjoy? Maybe there were projects at previous companies or whatever, but I sort of, what are the themes among the type of work that I really enjoy? Then impact. What is the impact my work makes? What impact do I want it to make? Who, who's, what audience do I want to serve? Am I currently serving them? Um, so I kind of made a list on impact. And then the G uh, was growth. So what skills do I want to develop? How do I want to grow? What does that look like? What new experiences do I want to have? So I made this list and I said, I'm going to bring this to my manager and I'm going to see if these things are possible within my own company, because this is what I feel like is going to get me unstuck. This is what I feel like is going to excite me for the next stage. And I brought that list and I said to my manager, Here, here's what I want to be doing. And then one by one, we said, okay, what opportunities are there within the current organization? And maybe not even in, in my current role, but like a cross-functional project or something I could do to help me check these things off. And we found so many opportunities for me to do that. And by the way, a very important part is to say, how will doing these things positively influence the organization, right? It's not just things I wanna work on that have no benefit to the organization. So how could they benefit the organization? So you, it's important to link the two. And so that was a really important step for me. And it led to one of the most fulfilling professional careers of my life. Again, this wasn't about the travels was before then. A lot of people think that was the solve, but it, you know, it wasn't. It was, it was when I was still in New York and I was able to really work and grow and have an impact in the ways that were important to me. I love you. The story you're sharing, this is really kind of remarkable. You know, as you kind of reflect back You've had this experience, you came back, you compiled lots of information, you've written a book, you've shared the content of that book with listeners and audiences around. But as you step back and you kind of say, all right, for the folks listening to this podcast, we've talked about a lot of different things. We're going to include the in the show notes links to how to get hold of your book and how to get hold of you. But what I want to ask, if you were to step back and say, gosh, I sure hope that the listeners podcast heard the following 
what would you say are the most important things you want us to have as takeaways? That you deserve to feel joy in your career. Mm -hmm. I know it can sound kind of cheesy to say it sometimes, but people, they don't feel deserving of it and they don't seek it out. And they just think like, like I said before, oh, it's, it's work for a reason. It pays the bills. And I understand people are, are in financial situations, especially now, and, with, and they don't have the luxury of doing just whatever brings them joy and that, you know, there are priorities. But more often than not, people feel like, you know, I, I don't know how to position it. I don't know what I want. They don't take the time to like uncover and make those lists like I spoke uh, I spoke about and such small tweaks to your current situation can make a big difference. You don't necessarily have to overhaul your career and totally change things, but how can you change things in the everyday that could make a bigger difference and bring you more joy? You know, you referred to your jig list, the joy mm -hmm. impact and growth. So it's not a surprise that the major takeaway that you want our listeners to hear is joy is possible. And what you described is joy might result with a minor tweak, which right. you've got to be willing to reflect on. Right. Um, this podcast will probably be uploaded in the first quarter of 21. A lot of people are trying to put 2020 in the rearview mirror and they're stepping back and they're saying, okay, looking forward individually and organizationally. Um, it strikes me is that what you've shared with us would be a remarkable resource that they can use uh, as they read through this and reflect on and more importantly, act on these six motivators. Um, this is good stuff, Sarah. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. If, if those folks listening want to get hold of you and reach out to you online, what's the best way for them to do that? Sure. Um, they can go to my website. It's sarahaviram.com and we can link to that. They can also connect with me on LinkedIn. And of course, I have different resources that they can look into that are on my website. Um, a lot of the, the lists and the kind of exercises I spoke about today, if they go to sarahaviram.com slash book, they will see a 42 page free workbook that they can download. It's an accompaniment to my book. You don't even have to buy the book to get the free workbook, but of course getting the book will give you the context you need to understand the questions that are asked in there, but they'll help you work through some of the things I talked about and figure, help you figure out how to manage and activate each of these six motivators to your benefit. We're gonna include this in the show notes, but for those who are driving down the road and says, I just got to get hold of this now. Can you do me a favor? Spell Sarah and spell your last name for the listeners, please. Sure. Um, so Sarah Aviram, that's S-A-R-A-H-A-V, like Victor, I-R-A-M, like Mary. So you can go to sarahaviram.com and there's a lot of information on there. And then you can sign up. I have a weekly newsletter called Remotivation Mail. And it's where I give my best tips and stories, lots of personal stuff in there too, because I always find that that brings a message home. Um, and as one reader call it, which I, I love that she said this, I, I put it on my site. She said, uh, it's career advice so good. I want to tattoo it on my arm. So I say, you know what? I'm using that on my website. <laughs> 
Well, what a wonderful uh, testament. And I have looked at your website and some of your resources. They're really good. So I'm going to encourage our listeners to do just that. Sarah, you've been a delight to spend time with. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. It was a pleasure to talk with you today. I also want to thank our listeners for joining us for this episode of Get Unstuck and On Target. We upload the latest episode every Thursday, and I hope you'll subscribe via your favorite platform. But if you've been listening to my discussion with Sarah and you're realizing, hmm, something's keeping me or my company stuck, let's talk. Visit unstuck.show and schedule a call. We'll explore what's got you or your company stuck and what might you do to overcome it. So I wanna thank you for joining us and I hope you have picked up on some tips that will help you get unstuck and on target. Until next time.